0: back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Raph and the Meatballs. Today, we have Murphy Monroe, Joey Spottle, Coach Raff, and today our guest is Kyle Betelove. Thanks for coming on, really appreciate it. Raf, lead us off.
1: Okay, Kyle's a 1987 graduate of MUHS. He's current MUHS swim coach, many years' experience in the coaching field. He's been a coach at Walkshaw North and Kettle Moraine for girls swimming, I believe, since 2007. Kyle's also won the Coach of the Year award in Wisconsin for girls swimming. So, welcome to the show, Kyle.
2: Thank you. Welcome. welcome.
1: So, my first question is this. Um, well, first, you know, we'd like a wrap up or a, an update on the season. And then my question would be this is the follow in. I've coached football and baseball, never swimming. I, I swim like a rock. But, um, <laughs> oh, you finally you laughed know, at oh, one. No, i just, yeah, it's a good one. You finally laughed at one. That's good.
0: All right, things are looking <laughs> up. Welcome back, Joe, by the way. Yeah, okay. thank you. I'm, yeah, we did not miss it. Took a little
1: vacation. So in, like in football, it's big body movements, big body movements to try to get technique. Baseball, it's with hitting, it's small, minuscule techniques. And I, I would say in swimming, again, I'm naive, but it's got to be small, micromanaged techniques to try to pick up hundreds of a second, because hundreds of a second can mean first place, third place, fifth place.
2: Sure. So the first question was uh, about the season, right? So- Uh, coming from Waukesha North and coming here has been, uh, has re-energized me as a person and as a coach. So it's been a great transition. Uh, Mr. Fleisch and Mr. Herman have been fantastic to work with. Um, and the boys have, um, some of the most energy I've ever seen in a team in my 30 plus years of coaching. The energy level every single day is fantastic. Um, now, your specific question is, we, we never really talk about winning, and obviously in our sport, we can't play defense, so you can only control what happens in your six feet wide by 25 yards long, so we do talk a lot about um, everything from a start to a turn to streamline, because swimming is really just a sport about eliminating drag, so anything I can do to eliminate drag is what my goal is. So how, I mean,
1: again, how far do you have to get down into the, the micromanagement of that to, to pick up these little tiny fractions of seconds?
2: Well, uh, for some of them, they figure it out right away, right? So some of it's just trial and error. So for one kid, um, moving his head to the left or to the right slows him down. For another kid, it might work out just fine. But we are, we are talking about it almost every single day. It's a um, equated to maybe throwing a block, right? If I don't have my hands in the right spot, I'm going to let the guy through in football, right? Um, We're talking about it constantly. Um, I don't necessarily know that over the past couple years that they've received this much detail, and sometimes it – gets on their on their nerves, but it's something that we're, we're going to need in the next couple of weeks.
1: Are there any events or styles that are, are more difficult to coach for you? I'd imagine, like, I know there's something called the butterfly. Is that a uh, tougher style? No,
2: actually, for me personally, backstroke is the hardest because, like, I'm a person who likes to see where I'm going, and then when you're on your back, all you're doing is looking at the ceiling and you can't really see where you're going. So for me, right. backstroke is usually the hardest.
3: Yeah, Coach, I'm a, uh, I'm a bit of a tracker myself, the 400, uh, the 4x4, the two like main events I run, and kind of like you were saying, the first time you know cutting down time, going from a minute to 57 seconds, it might be pretty easy. Yep. But then going from 57 to 56, and then finally like you know down to 53s and 52s, that takes a lot of work to go from, you know you know average to good. But then once you get to like really good, that's the little technique right. changes, and the subsidy. Uh, yeah. So some of the small and subsidiary technique changes that kind of alter the success, for me. Uh, Personally,
2: yeah, so you're exactly right. Everybody can be a swimmer, everybody can probably be a good swimmer, but to elevate to be the great to the elite level, all those little tiny things all those tiny little things play into it. It, uh, I'm sure you know that if I get to bed on time the night before the meet, much better. If I bring my right food and my right lunch that day, I'm gonna perform better that day at sectionals, or if I uh, get in a fight with my buddy at lunch plays into everything that's going on and impacts my performance so not only are we talking about training things we're talking about eating habits sleeping habits uh drinking energy drinks or right. pre-workout all they're all into this pre-workout stuff which is beyond me um but all those things play into how fast you're going to go at the end yeah. yeah
3: have you ever taken an athlete um maybe that they're very like very basic like kind of learning how to swim or are you kind of strictly competitive
2: uh, swimming. So swimming is a no-cut sport right. in all the schools I've been at. And so we've got kids who think that going to grandma's on the weekend and playing in the pond is compared to swimming. Right. All the way to kids who swim and maybe take three days off the entire year, and they swim all year round. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So... You know, my whole life, I've really played a lot of team sports. So in your opinion, how does a sport like swimming where performing – you're on a team, but performing is more individualized, help out kids more than, you know, compared to a team sport like football or – Sure. So
2: um, if you haven't been to a swim meet before, so it's kind of like track Mm -hmm. where it's similar in the concepts of all the races are individual except for relays, Mm -hmm. but there is a team score at the end, right? So we – the support mechanism behind each kid and uh, each event, and supporting the like the kids who aren't participating in that event, supporting them during the during the race is kind of one of the key things that make the teams the team function really come alive. Okay,
3: do you do you emphasize like composure kind of through the races because at the end of the season for track like sectionals, we would. Um, say I'm a 4x4 and 400 guy, if you see the 4x1 move on, you kind of want to get really excited and cheer them on. You kind of have to stay composed. And even the other way, maybe they don't do so hot. You can't let your head get, like, down in the dirt. Right. Um,
2: I try to equate it to um, being a soccer goalie, Mm. where you have to have a short-term memory. So if you've got a bad performance, because most of the kids are going to swim four times and less than two hours maybe hour 45 minutes right so if you have one bad performance you can't let the next hour and 25 minutes of that day or that meet just wreck the whole day right Right. so Mm -hmm. you really have to work on um if you swim well keep that in front of your mind if you swim bad it's got to be like a goldfish and just let it go and and move on of course
1: so how much of swimming actually is is the mental part of it you would just
2: oh i Man, that I don't know if we can really study that, but I there's a lot of data. I mean, just look at practice every day. I'd say some kids give up before they even start, and we get in the pool at practice day, so um, we'll be in the water in about an hour and a half, two hours, and some of them have given up based on what happened during the day already. So um, I'd say mental, it's got to be 30 percent. But you're some of some of the athletes today, like in Division One swimming. In men's college divisions, one swimming are all over six five, six six. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're guys who probably got cut from basketball and said, "Hey, I'm going to go swimming now for a while." Right? I mean, they're really they're they're mammoth, and uh, so some of that you're actually born with. So, uh, swimming is a skill that uh, you have to hone over a long period of time. I As I've coached,
1: I've coached for thirty plus years now, and I've noticed that the the kids these days are are much bigger, much stronger, <laughs> yes. much faster, and much more athletic mm-hmm. than what we had. Not to not to diminish anybody that went before the kids that we have now, but it's it's become a thing onto its own. The the sports training.
2: Yes, I and um, the kids, and especially in boys swimming, uh, kids who make it to state in boys swimming are kids who are not three sport athletes. I mean, that's just the the bottom line. If they're gonna going to make it to the high school state meet in Wisconsin. They're going to swim at least uh, nine months of the year. They may do a sport. Um, they may take the spring off and do track, but as soon as track is done, they got to go right back to swimming to get ready for high school swimming again. So would you say that track
1: um, relates most or best to swimming out of all, all uh, the sports? Track,
2: uh, maybe more cross-country. Cross-country. Cross-country okay. and track. um because the training, the training concepts are the same. So if you're on cross country, you understand um, doing intervals and stuff like that. If you're running the 400, you understand interval training. And that's a lot of what swimming in is, just interval training. Right.
1: And I think it's yeah. important that the kids get into as many sports as possible. Absolutely. Because every sport brings you a different technique and different ability to do something else in the sport you don't even know it relates um football for example wrestling these kids that we have some kids that went out for wrestling and they're they're at, they're having a tough time with it because it's all leverage and, and learning how to use your body and once they learn that that will translate so much better to football right for them i've had
2: a i've had a lot of success with uh swimmers going to baseball and not having a lot of shoulder injuries and a lot of shoulder pain and. Uh, working on their upper body and the motion of moving your arms a lot has helped a lot of the outfielders and the pitchers. And so we've had a lot of great success. Um, swimmers go into baseball, and then they would take like their Sundays to throw and stuff like that during swim season. But if they could come to practice five, six times a week, um, it's really helped out the baseball players a lot.
0: Yeah, so yeah. What, what kind of like, workouts do you do outside of the pool? Or like, is it mostly just conditioning? Or yeah, what workouts kind of help you the most outside uh, of the
2: pool? Well, uh, this is my first year here, so we're still trying to work on the the overall plan. But mostly in the weight room, we're just doing. We're never maxing out. We're never. Mm. We don't have to block somebody across the ball in football. We are just really um, lifting weights, doing leg exercises, doing um, box jumps, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to bulk up at all. Uh, we just need to. Uh, use it to build some muscle and to prevent injuries. Yeah. What we're doing more in the explosive type. Things. Yes, more explosive things.
0: Sounds good. Now for our segments. So our first segment is Mount Rushmore. So what is your Mount Rushmore of swimming strokes or races? Um, like if you could rank them top four.
2: Like if I, like races I've watched. No,
0: like the your favorite strokes, like the. Well, there's like only bu- four of, of them, so yeah. What you how would <laughs> you rank them?
2: Well, I would say uh, breaststroke is first, um, then freestyle, then butterfly, then backstroke.
0: Is that your favorite to coach or actually to uh, race in?
2: Uh, uh, Breaststroke is probably my favorite because that's what I raced when I was here. Hmm. Uh, My son's a senior in college, and that's what he's racing as well. So it's kind of fun. And then I can send him texts while he's on deck and say, hey, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. Is there, is there an
3: event list, like, for the, for the meets? Is there, like, does it always start? Like a track, you know how you always end by yeah. 4 by 4 we, Does it work like that? or
2: Yeah, so the events are exactly the same for every dual meet, every invite. So it would be uh, 200 medley relay, 200 free, 200 IM, 50 free, then diving. Okay. Then we have, uh, after the diving break, then there's 100 fly, 100 free, 500, 200 free relay, Hundred back, hundred breast, and then four hundred free relay. And is that is that one electric? The four hundred free. Well, I like to make it electric, but yeah. um, it's usually when they're on their last bit of gas for the day right. because we've been there for two hours now, right, right. and now they've swam three other things, and now, um, like we just have um, where our breast, our number one breaststroker swims breaststroke, which is right before the relays, so he's getting about maybe five minutes, maybe four minutes rest before he has to get back in and race again. So if you had to do, let's just say you had to do the 200 in track and then the four by four was coming up right. five minutes later, right. that's about how much time he's getting rest to to perform again. Wow. Interesting. So one thing I, you didn't mention was the doggy paddle. That's not part of... No, but interestingly enough, this is the 100th year of the WIA Boys State Championship. And the first one was supposed to be held Outdoors in May, but because the lake waters were so rough, they had to move it inside. And one of the events was called fancy diving. Fancy diving? How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I'm assuming it was just regular diving, but and the and the program they called it fancy diving. Oh, okay.
1: What would you say is uh, sort of follow up by Merv's thing? What what is your what is your
2: what's the most difficult race to compete in?
1: You think distance-wise and and ability-wise?
2: Uh, I think the 200 IM is still the hardest because you have to know all four disciplines and you have to do them all very fast. So if, you, if you're good at IM, you're usually pretty good at at least one or two other strokes. Interesting. We'll move on to our,
3: uh, our next segment here. And that is our Marquette highlight. So, you know, every week uh, we have the guests kind of think back on their time at Marquette and try to remember a specific moment at uh, Marquette that kind of sticks out to them. So was there a distinct, significant moment that you kind of vividly remember?
2: Can I do two of them? Of course. course, Well, there's two. So one was, uh, it's a little bit longer. So in 1986, uh, when I was a junior, um, do you still have the foyer outside the, like? there's that little piece of grass cut out in the middle on the first floor where there was no building and no space? I don't think it's grass anymore, and they don't really No, I don't think It's the like a dead space. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there's yeah. like a dead, <clears throat> and so all yeah. the all the seniors that year took all the chairs from the fourth floor and put them all the desks and all the chairs into that space <laughs> as their senior prank. Don't give them in. I know, but that's <laughs> the, we're still we're still So then, <laughs> so then, all I remember is uh, Mr. Cheney getting on the PA going, "I need all the seniors in the gym," and then we were juniors at the time, so we. We kinda of rethought our plan. Um <laughs> the next year. And for the next year and we had um, we took some um, concrete bricks and used uh, molding clay, like uh, the putty clay. Yeah. And we made like brick walls in front of all the the administrators' offices and like built them up and so it's easy to get down because we right. knew that we knew what kind of trouble they got in on the other year for <laughs> doing that. So
1: now for all you seniors out there, <laughs> please Know that the senior school prank does not really exist. Mm-hmm. Kyle's just making up a few stories. Okay. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when we got you, you roaming the halls, everyone's too scared to do pranks now. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess. I guess the other one was um, uh, my parents couldn't afford for me to go here, so I was on. I think I don't even think you have this anymore. It was called the work grant program. Do you still have that? It's,
1: I believe they do. Right? Not sure. Uh, Mr. Taylor, he would. He okay. passed away recently. He, he would run that in the summers. Yeah. I don't know. So
2: it was year-round. Year so uh, what, I got the, what I had the opportunity to do was I got to work in the Jesuit residence as a busboy for all four years. And so the things I learned and the hard work and um, understanding the commitment that it took to um, pay back what I owed at the school – was something that I'll never forget. So my junior and senior year, I probably worked in the Jez Rez probably three days a week. And then I was working in the summer, working as a playground supervisor during the day, umpiring games at night, just so I could pay for tuition to go to Market High. I think my class was probably uh, the last one under $2,000 to go to school. My brother graduated maybe four years after me and i think his was the last one under four thousand dollars a year wow. so my brother and i spent a lot of time on the work grant program to afford to go to market high yeah great experience now you guys That's see awesome. what see how important that is that your parents are putting you through
1: this school right yeah yeah just, how, get,
0: how, just for it to get ruined by you
3: <laughs>
1: uh, well yeah not yet <laughs> we got a few months to go
3: so that kind of uh not allow you to do some of the some of the activities and sports you kind of wanted to
2: no I, I think um it was worked out pretty well so th- i wasn't the only one so there was always like a it was just like working a job right, right. you had a schedule yeah. and we were able to make trades so if we had practice like you never had to do it during your actual season right. but during other seasons then you were picking up shifts and trading with other guys right so mm-hmm. um lived over by Capitol court and so 60th and Capitol. so oh, yeah. i'd ride my my Schwinn Varsity down here, and then ride my Schwinn Varsity back home, because I didn't have my driver's license at the time, so I had to uh, get around by 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 foot and pedal, you know?
1: And now they're pulling up in BMWs and Mercedes. <laughs> so the times have changed slightly. <laughs> One final thought, you ready? Yes. A Walter Wardinsky from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Mr. Wardinsky, thank you. Wardinsky. I thought that's what I said. No, th- you said Wodinsky. Wardinski. Mr. Yeah, Wardinski. Yeah. Walter. WWW. He asks about the myth
2: or the fact of the fifth floor pool. Huh. That's a great one. <laughs> Do you know when it started? <laughs> Do I know when it started? It um it was definitely going on uh the legend started right had to be during my time here. So between eighty three and eighty seven, we would joke about it a lot. Um I think it really took off maybe Five or eight years ago, when they were started selling fifth-floor pool passes for a fundraiser, I think Murph bought one of those freshman year. Did he? Yeah, I yeah. might
1: have. Yeah. How much was it? Wasn't much.
3: <laughs> they didn't charge her much, but
1: I didn't know they did that pool passes. Oh yeah, and yeah, you actually no. bought one, Murph? No. <laughs> I wish.
2: But we, yeah, t- I know it'd be nice to use, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, because we'd always joke that people should come to the home meets, but we had to hope it rained the day before so we could. Fill up the pool. Well, that was the, <laughs> that was the other question
1: that that Walter had was uh, are the are the practices on the fifth floor open to the public?
2: Yeah, you know, they could be if you. I'll meet you up there. <laughs> swims like a swims I'd,
1: like a swims I, like a rock. I, I do swim like a rock. I haven't <laughs> been able to find the fifth floor. Yet. Yeah, I've been here like coaching a here for over 30 years, and I I don't think there is a fifth floor. You've just ready? never made it up there Yeah,
3: It's a lot, of, a lot of stairs
1: There's an elevator It only goes to four, doesn't it?
3: You got to buy your elevator pass, though Yeah,
1: that's part of it too. <laughs> that'll, that'll set you it's back old, a little bit yeah, the, whole maze. <laughs> the elevator pass more expensive than the pool pass? Yeah,
3: I, I can sell it to you I got, I got a couple spares
1: <laughs> Yeah. Alright, thanks a lot, boys <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll
0: do it For another episode of Raff and the Meatballs Thank you again, Coach Bedlove, for coming on No problem I appreciate it, Coach
3: Yep coach Sw- coach. Swims like a rock